that process can just be as simple as a spreadsheet. You just need to identify, okay, well, what are like five or 10 things that the app that I want needs to do? And then if you're comparing different tools, sure, one thing is going to be a comparison on price. One thing is going to be a comparison on ease of use. One thing is going to be a comparison of does it tick all the boxes? And it's just columns and rows on a spreadsheet. And then you, you, know, you put each one of those tools there and you maybe give it a rating or you give it a tick or a, or a cross and you find the tool that you need. That's really the simplest part of actually finding a tool. And I think it comes down to understanding, as you mentioned, your ability, where you're up to, what you're prepared, or if not you individually, is there an asset in your business that has the skills to manage to understand? If you're looking to one day sell your business and be acquired, and you're building a tool that you believe can be a competitive advantage that someone else might want, this is a piece of secrets um, that really adds value in your business. If you've got something that another company is going to want, the automation entity client portal, or potentially, I'm not saying it will be the thing that makes someone want to acquire us, but that is potentially to the right acquirer, something that they're really going to want access to rather than building it themselves. They can not only get our client base, our services, and all the various things that our business does, they can get that piece of software and the developers who built it. And so these are the, some of the advantages that custom software can give you if you're looking at it from a, how do I build value in my company? So there's the problem solve part, but you can also look at it from the long term. Is this unique? Is this something that might be worth acquiring for or will give me an advantage? Hey everyone, you are listening to Entrepreneurs Rising. I am Carl Taylor and I'm joined by my fabulous, sexy, amazing man of a host, Peter Moriarty. Hey Peter, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Co-host, co-host. I'm doing awesome, man. Good to be here. <laughs> and this show is all about helping you as an entrepreneur to continue to grow in your journey, wherever you're up to. And we love sharing our experience and our journey that we've been on in over two decades worth or more than that, if we combine our, uh, our journeys together of entrepreneurial experience, the highs and the lows. And we are here to share with you our journey and give you insights to help you on yours. So ultimately that you can be an entrepreneur that's rising the tide for not just yourself, but all the people around you, your team, your family, the people around you, be that rising tide that lifts all boats. And today's episode, we're going to talk about something that I'm pretty passionate about. And that is when to buy something off the shelf in terms of tools and software for your business versus when does it make sense to actually go and build something custom and what's the thinking around that and how can that help you ultimately grow your business as you systemize? So that's what we're going to get into. Pete, let's start with you. When you hear the idea of buying versus build, what are your initial thoughts? I think what this comes down to is really, you know, process change inside a business. We've both been technology integrators for many years and we've made that our professions. You with your initial IT consulting business, I still have an IT consulting business. You're now still educating and helping business owners with technology in your current business. And I think the interesting thing is that when business owners go looking for a piece of technology, it's not because they want to buy something new or roll something out or they're excited to you know, create a new app, it's because they're looking to solve a problem. They're typically looking to solve a business problem. And so that business problem may be, 
I need to be more efficient or it may be I need a way for my sales team to get better insights around how they're going or it may be I need a way of communicating with my customers with a marketing tool or it may be I need a website so I can show off my services to my customers. And so every time we're looking at implementing a piece of technology, we're looking to solve problems. And so I think that's where everything starts. And there's that Chinese proverb of those who fail to plan, plan to fail. I think before you jump into, you know, the bright, shiny object syndrome of different tools and services and options and should I go and build this thing, you've got to stop and actually do the plan. You've got to first think about, okay, well, what am I looking to achieve here? What are my goals? Hmm. What resources do I have available to me? You know, do I have time? Do I have money? Are there other resources that are potentially required to solve this problem? Another one to ask is, you know, what level of competency do I have? And particularly if we're talking about building software, is that an area that you're competent in? <laughs> Or even on the Not integration just building it, but side. can you even, yeah, can you project manage someone else building it? You don't have to be the coder. There's also that level of skill. Absolutely. Are you, are you capable of actually managing this project yourself? And so I think these are all the questions that come up and they're all the questions that need to be answered first before you jump into the build versus buy. And we're going to get to that. But I think with anything, you know, I just want to realign that anytime we're thinking about technology change, that's going to be inside a business. Uh, we've got humans involved. You've got your own element in your ability to lead that change and your ability to get a return on investment in what you're looking to do or achieve. Uh, but you've also got the other people that are involved in the process as well. So you've got potentially team, potentially contractors, partners, vendors, other people that you're working with who are potentially involved in that as well. So once we've started with that and you know, you've developed a scope and you've got an idea of where you want to go to, then we're going to start to think about, okay, you know, where do we go from here? So I'm curious what, you know, what that kind of brings up for you, Carl, around planning and ensuring that you have success from, from the outset. I love everything you've just said. I agree with it all. The way I've often explained this to people, because a common question that I get in, you know, obviously in the marketing tech space, uh, helping a lot of businesses with their implementing their marketing. One of the most common questions I see all the time is like, what's the best tool for X? What's the best tool for email marketing? What's the best landing page software? What's the best CRM? Whatever it is that they're trying to do. And it's, People don't like it when I say, well, that's a very contextual question. Like what's the best for me might not be the best for you. And so I've always said that, you know, when you're picking technology for your business, the great way to do it. Now I do this naturally in my head, I've realized, but for others that don't write a job description, it's the problem you're trying to solve. Why do you hire someone? You have a problem, you have a job to be done. It links to Clayton Christensen's idea of the jobs to be done theory of that's what any business ever does. It's always just a job to be done that needs to be solved. So what is the job or jobs that need to be done? When you get really super clear on that and you write that out, just like you would if you were hiring a team member, I'm looking for someone, let's, let's go with like social media posting tool. I'm looking for someone who's going to uh, post on social media every single week for me consistently. I've got a big library of content that I want to go out and I just want it to happen on a regular recurring basis. That's what I want. And I want to be able to post on Facebook, on Instagram and LinkedIn. I plan on doing videos and I want it to be nice and native video in all the platforms. 
great. Now you've got a really clear scope of what you're looking for. Mm. Now you can decide whether a team member solves that, a piece of technology solves that, multiple pieces of technology solve that, or a mix of team and tech. Mm. But when you get super clear on what it is you're actually trying to do, that is when you can now go, what is the solution? And then part of that might be if there is no way of cobbling together a solution, maybe that's when you go, I'm going to build it myself because there's nothing that will give me the solution I'm looking for. Yeah. And you know, in that same scenario, because of that scope, I know from my own personal experience that the fact that you said you wanted to be able to post video across all these platforms rules out pretty well every single automated posting tool for LinkedIn because the automated posting tools cannot post a video. So you're going to need a human to do that piece while you might be able to use software for the other pieces. And these are the things that you only learn once you're clear on what you want and you start digging in either yourself or you pay an advisor or you know, a company like IT Genius or someone who can then kind of help you navigate. This is what I'm looking for. What's the best match? Yeah. And this doesn't have to be rocket science. It can right. be a matter of... That's what I loved about what you're saying. Like, I think first. All right. And look, Carl, after helping business owners for over 10 years with choosing software, getting those pieces of software integrated, and then helping with the actual implementation and the support, that process can just be as simple as a spreadsheet. You just need to identify, okay, well, what are like five or 10 things that the app that I want needs to do? And then if you're comparing different tools, sure, one thing is going to be a comparison on price. One thing is going to be a comparison on ease of use. One thing is going to be a comparison of does it tick all the boxes? And it's just columns and rows on a spreadsheet. And then you, you, know, you put each one of those tools there and you maybe give it a rating or you give it a tick or a, or a cross and you find the tool that you need. That's really the simplest part of actually finding a tool. I think the interesting thing is there's a bit of a concept that I've developed around integrating and choosing software. And that is using best-in-class software versus an all-in-one, and then custom software would be a third piece or level three, right? And so for many businesses, they have an idea of what a business process should look like. And you have your position description of the perfect employee who can do absolutely everything, right? But as you would know, like when hiring, you can't find that perfect employee who's going to do absolutely everything for you. You only have the talent that's available and the resources that are available. And so you're going to have to find a way to get that position description to kind of fit the person that you have available in some cases. Well, software is a little bit the same. And what that means is that you're probably going to find something that can tick seven or eight or maybe even nine out of the 10 boxes, but it's going to be challenging to find something that ticks 10 out of 10 boxes. And what I've found is for many, let's talk about business management apps, right? Let's talk about like a, a customer database or a customer management app. For many businesses in the industry that you're in, whether you've got a podiatry clinic or you're a construction company or maybe you're an events management business, you'll have something in your industry which will be marketed to your industry as the all-in-one platform. And this all-in-one platform will promise to do everything that you can possibly need for your industry to run your business, manage your marketing, manage your customers, manage your events or touching people's feet or building houses or whatever it is that you're doing, right? And what we found is with those all-in-one pieces of software, quite often there's 10 or 20 or sometimes even 30% just missing. The stuff that you really would like it to do, just missing. Many of them are missing the marketing component. I'll be honest, that's the most common area we find that it's a bit of a downfall but they build themselves as an all-in-one. So 
if you choose to go with an all-in-one software, and you know, I would maybe count something like Salesforce.com as that kind of software, which is you know a platform that tries to do everything. It's not necessarily going to be as effective as standalone software for marketing, standalone software for sales, standalone software for delivery, standalone software for finance and management, and then businesses are faced with a choice. Do you buy the all-in-one, which is missing 10 or 20% of the features that you want, or do you hobble together different pieces of discrete software, which are best in class in their area of the business, whether it's marketing or sales or finance or delivery, but then you've got to work on the integration piece. Now, the third option then is, do you build something from scratch? Do you build a completely custom solution? And that's going to come with all of its own challenges as well. And we're going to go through some of the benefits and some of the challenges. The obvious benefit is you can scope out exactly what you want, but there's also a number of drawbacks which come with it as well. So Carl, I'm going to pass over to you. You've got a bit more experience than me in actually building software uh, because while I'm pretty skilled at integration and I'm pretty skilled at consulting around different applications, the actual building of software is, honestly, it's not really my forte. So I've just stayed away from it. And I tend to err on the side of recommending customers stay away from it. But I know that you're a bit more of a builder than me and you're definitely more competent in this area. So I'd love to hear from you to steer on the conversation. I think there's a few things that, so I fully agree with everything you said, that whole all-in-one best of breed is a constant conversation in even in the marketing tech space that I'm in, Right. Entreport would be an example of an all-in-one. Active campaign is a bit more best in breed. And then you cobble together a bunch of different things. And, and um, I personally prefer the best of breed approach. I've done the all-in-one myself uh, and I've gone down the best of breed class and there are pros and cons to that. But I've also gone down the software building. And I think it comes down to understanding, as you mentioned, your ability, where you're up to, what you're prepared, or if not you individually, is there an asset in your business? that has the skills to manage, to understand? Uh, or is there a resource that you're outsourcing to to help you with the integration of the best in breed platforms? You know, if you're a client of Automation Ends, you're a client of IT Genius, we are examples of services that can help you with the integration of best in breed platforms together. And whereas if you're just like, you know what, I just want to deal with this one company, I'm going to sign up to them and use their software and okay, it only does what I want but at least I've got one company to talk to. There are a lot of simplicities in that and you'll just have to get frustrated when it doesn't do everything you want it to do. And you go, oh, but now I want it to talk to this tool. Sorry, they don't have an API. I can't do that. Like you're just going to have to accept that that's what happens and maybe shift your business model. That's the thing. Like an all-in-one software, usually you're shifting your business model to match what the software will let you do versus custom or best in breed. You can usually take your idea for your business model and find the tools to deliver it. Now, the reason I would I bring up it's important to know your skills is I've built software because at 10 years old, I taught myself to code, right? Like I'm a coder from way back in terms of my learning and understanding of how to think like a programmer. I can't code at all anymore. Like I'm not building the software myself. I pay developers to do that. But because I come from that background, it allows me to communicate the business case of what I'm trying to do and think about it from the developer's point of view to be able to communicate that well. And I think that is a skill that not everyone has. And I admit that that's made it simpler for me to go down the approach of building software. And let's define what is building custom software actually mean. There's kind of two ways I think about it. You've got building something from scratch, completely from scratch. And then you've got 
kind of building, say, an add-on for an existing tool. Now, a tool that I use in my business is a tool called Freshdesk. It's a ticketing system. Uh, it's like a way of kind of managing emails that come in. It comes into this system. Now, they themselves have the ability down the side of a, of a ticket, a conversation with, with someone. They've got these things, they call them fresh apps. And see that these are little custom codes that you can create that will show up down the side of a ticket and you can link that into various different things. So we as a business have had numerous custom fresh apps developed to give us features that this software itself didn't natively have. It's, it's, we're using it for a very different use case for what it's actually designed for and the bulk of their clients are. And so that means they keep releasing new features. Some of them are useful for us and a lot of them aren't and they're missing the things that we want. The benefit is they provide us the ability to get those things we want built. Mostly, there are still limitations. There are still some limitations we face. But in general, we go, oh, we'd really love to have the ability to, for example, for us, we want to be able to put a ticket on hold and kind of be waiting that when a particular, another ticket is complete, that that auto opens. So it's kind of like a saying this ticket, when it's complete, open this next one. That was not a native built-in ability. There was no rule engine to let us do that, but their coding backend, their APIs and their fresh apps allowed us to build something that would give us the feature we needed. And we built that feature because we were trying to solve a particular problem. The problem was human error. Human error is a huge problem, especially in a service-based business. And my mind is constantly going, how do I remove that from the human? How do I take it away from the human? Because the machine will do what it's supposed to do. Machines do what they're supposed to do. If they don't, it was a human error in managing the hardware, in the coding of it, data input. That's, it's always a human error. That's my belief when machines don't do what they're supposed to do. So the aspect there was going, humans were forgetting to unpause a ticket when it should, because it was too much going on in their mind. We wanted to solve that. We built a solution. So that's an example of a custom solution that's not building from scratch. It's kind of building in the feature we needed to an existing tool. Now, you can't do that to every piece of software. Not every software provides those frameworks, those add-ons, those APIs to do it. But if they do, it's a great place that you can look at to go, okay, it can't do what I want. Can I build the solution I need? And sometimes it's as simple as then engaging a development company. There are companies all around the world. If you are technical, like say Peter and I are, you can probably have a good result going to places like India, uh, the Ukraine, various places like that where it's a bit cheaper, but they need a bit more hand-holding direction from someone more technical. If you're not one of those people though, I would encourage you to just spend the extra money talking to an Australian, a UK, a US type company. They're probably using offshore developers anyway, but at least they're going to give you that piece of management, getting the scope clear, project managing the actual developers. So there's that side of it. Then there's the other side of building something from scratch, which again, I've done that in multiple ways over the years. I've wasted money. I've built software. Even before software as a service was a thing, I built some software. I used to have a web hosting company. And this is again, early days of internet. There wasn't good billing systems out there. So I started building my own billing system for me to better bill my hosting clients. And I started building this software. We were going to call it Bill Easy. And it was actual software people would buy and install it themselves on their own server, as I said, before SaaS was a thing. And I spent probably at least, back then it was a lot of money, not anymore. It was about five grand on, on like some developers to build this thing. And what I got was absolute crap. It was junk and I never got to use it. And it was a waste of five grand. And that happens, even to the best of us. Now, 
at Automation Agency, we have a web where our clients manage their projects and their tasks with us. They have this really nice interface that they log into. They can see all their tasks, whether they're active, they're queued, they can update their billing details. They can do all of these things. We custom built that. We custom built our entire billing platform. We custom built the upgrade downgrades, like the whole thing. We, we get constantly get people saying, oh, wow, what system are you using? Because they'd love to use something themselves in their own business. And I'm like, well, actually we custom built it. It's not something off the shelf. Originally, when I asked to get it scoped out, uh, the quote was, oh, it'd probably take about six months to build. And I can't remember what the dev time and money was every month for that, but it was, it was given a certain amount of how long I would probably need a developer for. It was going to be one developer for six months. That's what I thought. You have any ideas, Pete, how many developers and uh, how long it's been? I'm guessing you've been working on it for years now. <laughs> I have two full-time developers who are working on this still consistently now just mm. to bug fix to I keep coming up with new ideas to improve it. We get feedback from clients. What went from being like, it was going to be a six month project with one developer. It got to a point where now it's two full-time developers working on it all the time. And this is the interesting thing. You start to get this trade-off where you start looking at what you're spending money on. Like I spend a large amount, let's just say that, a large amount of money every month on a particular piece of software. Well, Freshdesk, I've already mentioned it, Freshdesk. I'm spending a lot of money on Freshdesk every month that I have the conversation with myself going, for the same amount I'm paying Freshdesk, I could probably put on a full-time developer or more and build my own custom solution. Yeah. And it's the trade-off of going, well, if I do that though, there's going to be a lag time of building it to have parity of features of what I need. There's also going to be a point where what if they roll out a new feature that's amazing and then they roll it out. We go, that's a great idea. Then we've got six months or 12 months of building it ourselves rather than just ta-da, we've now got that advantage in our business. And so the decision to custom build or go like take an off the shelf solution as someone who has custom built software, I would actually really encourage most businesses to err away from that unless there's a really clear strategic business. And let's cover that. If you're looking to one day sell your business and be acquired and you're building a tool that you believe can be a competitive advantage that someone else might want, this is a piece of secrets um, that really adds value in your business. If you've got something that another company is going to want, the automation entity client portal, or potentially, I'm not saying it will be the thing that makes someone want to acquire us, but that is potentially to the right acquirer, something that they're really going to want access to rather than building it themselves. They can not only get our client base, our services, and all the various things that our business does, they can get that piece of software and the developers who built it. And so these are the, some of the advantages that custom software can give you if you're looking at it from a, how do I build value in my company? So there's the problem solve part, but you can also look at it from the long term. Is this unique? Is this something that might be worth acquiring for or will give me an advantage? Now, that's not always going to be the case for every business. Mm. Um, do you have any questions around that, Pete? Because I know, you know you, you haven't delved too much into the custom software. So I'd love to know what comes up for you. Yeah, I think what I'm kind of thinking about at the moment is, you know, as a business owner goes through a journey, they're going to have different roles in the business. So as they grow... You know, initially you're the driver and then, you know, maybe when you've got five, six, seven employees, you know, you're the head salesperson, right? And everyone else is kind of doing the delivery. And then when you get to 13, 14, 15 employees, maybe you're like 
head of culture and head of leadership and you start building up some other managers and some other leadership functions in the business. And as we've been on journeys, Carl, where our teams have grown and grown and grown, you then get to 20 employees and then you get to 30 employees and then you get beyond and your role starts to shift. And I think where you are right now, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think where you are right now, Carl, is probably like head of R&D. You're working on the special projects in the business and you've got lots of time to work on the special projects, such as the billing system. Would I be correct with that? Totally. Like yep. I mean, this more recent season, not as much, but definitely the season before this has been a lot more. I've been in that space of like, I'm looking at how do we add value to the client by building out a new feature into our client portal. I'm focused on, in software terms, they might call it the product. I'm, the, I'm being able to be the product manager because I'm not in the day-to-day. I'm not in the delivery. I'm not in the customer service. I'm not in the sales. My sole focus, apart from the strategy of the company, mm-hmm. is looking at how do we ensure the product is delivering what the client wants. Awesome. Now, that's excellent because I then kind of link that back to well, you know, if my mum comes to me and says, hey, I've got an amazing idea for an app, you know, how much does it cost for me to get it built? And I think, well, if you knew what you were doing, it'd be five grand worth of offshore developers to get it done. But if you walked in with no idea, it's going to be 18 months and you're going to have pay an Australian company $100,000 to get it done. And both of those solutions are okay, by the way, if you build a business out of it. But the thing is, is that, you've really got to understand, well, what capability and what bandwidth do you have to actually work on this project? Because, you know, myself, knowing at the different stages of businesses, you have different focuses. And if you've got five or six or eight employees, it's actually not worth your time to drop everything Mm. and spend half of your week on this custom software build project. It would be more worth your time to outsource that, pay a bit more, and then actually focus on what you need to do, which at that stage of the business would be driving the business. And it's kind of like, you know, the different hats that you got to wear. You've got the CEO hat or the founder hat. You've got the head of product hat, got, uh, you know, whether that's R&D or, you know, whatever else you want to call it. You've got the head of customer happiness and customer delivery. You've got the head of culture. You've got the head of marketing. You've got the head of sales you've really Mm. got to identify, well, you know, how much can you spend in a technical role? If you've got heaps of time, then awesome. That's great. Go and get your hands dirty. And if you're going to get personal enjoyment from that, but quite often your role may just be to be the founder, to actually draw a picture of what you want to create, draw a really good picture, spend plenty of time scoping things out well, but then actually handing off to someone else to build it. And I'm not saying that from the bias of a company, like we don't build custom software. Sure, we build some connectors and build some dashboards here and there, but I would prefer businesses integrate. I'm all for team buy rather than team build. And I think there's a nice little bit in the middle where you you buy something which is close enough and then you spend a bit of money integrating and getting some automations and getting things talking to each other. There's heaps of automation tools. Our concierge service happens to help businesses with that integration between different tools and getting data flowing. So that's the kind of thing where I think is easy enough to delegate to someone to take care of for you in a cost-effective manner. But building something from scratch is certainly a large undertaking. We haven't even talked about the internal risks like a staff member leaving or infrastructure changing or someone changes their API and you have to start things from scratch and recode it. And you have to do maintenance for years and years and years to keep the thing running. And you have to worry about security and compliance. And, you know, what happens if I 
leave a permission incorrect on a public database and someone steals my data publicly and then I get sued and I've got a whole PR debacle. There's just so many uh, you know, risks and unknowns when you jump into that kind of development. You've really got to make sure that they are accounted for when you're weighing up whether or not it's actually worth it. And that's, I, I agree. And I think that's where it's like for majority of business owners, unless you're talking about, I'm trying to build a software as a service tool, right? Like that's becoming your whole business. Mm-hmm. For the majority of business owners, you're better off going, I'm going to go with an all-in-one and sacrifice, or I'm going to go best to breed and I'm going to connect things together. And maybe, as I mentioned, like the first type of custom software, I'm going to get little apps, little things that solve small problems built, custom scripts that do that one thing rather than building a whole piece of software like my client portal. Like there are many times, like it's given us a great advantage. Clients love us. It gives a lot of things that our competitors, uh, not that we've got heaps that do exactly what we do, but the competitors cannot deliver on because of the custom software we've built. However, there are lots of now solutions that deliver a semi-similar scenario that people have now since built software services. So someone else can start up a company and deliver something close to a same kind of client portal feel. It's not as custom, it's not as unique, but those things exist because now there are viable solutions, which didn't exist when I was doing what I was doing. I think it's really important to consider that all-in-ones or best of breeds linked together is going to always, always be a more cost-effective solution. It's about the risk versus reward, understanding your long-term play, understanding what you find fun. I find it fun coming up with new software solutions and designing it and talking to the team about getting it built. That's my inner creator really loves doing that. My inner mechanic loves optimizing and the creator loves designing a new feature or new idea. But sometimes I'm wasting, I'm well aware that we've, we've wasted like months developing features that no one seemed to care about. I wanted it. I thought it was a cool idea, but clients didn't really care about it. And so this is the things that can happen when you are building full-on software. And then, yeah, bugs happen. Things change. And I want to share a story. You mentioned the idea of an app being five grand or maybe being a hundred grand with an Aussie company. I had that exact same scenario happen. There was an early point in the, the building of the client portal. It wasn't where I needed it to be. I was frustrated and I was like, this, this company I'm working through, the developers I'm using, like, it's just not getting what I need. Maybe I'm just going to, I'm going to write off what I've spent and go and get a different development company. And I reached out to three development companies, a US-based one, a Eastern European one, and an Australian one. And basically, they looked at what I was trying to do. They looked at, they said, look, we're just going to have to throw away the code you already have. Um, we're just going to have to start this as a fresh project. So forget what's been built. We're going to have to build it fresh. And the most expensive one I was quoted was $80,000 US. US. Wow. And they were going to deliver me, let's call it one fifth of what I was ultimately looking for, for that 80 grand. There would then be more like that would give me like the minimum viable of what I needed, but one fifth of what I was looking for. And so obviously I can't remember what the Australian company quoted me, but it was also quite high. And at the time I just did not have that kind of cash in the business or even personally, it was like, this is not, it's not smart investment. So I decided to buckle down went back to my existing development team and just, we kind of said, let's throw away what we've got. Let's start again from scratch, but let's really think about this properly. And so I ended up building what they quoted me that 80 grand US for. I got the full, full fifths, not one fifth. I got the full fifth of what I wanted and it cost me about $25,000, but I did have wasted months before. And I had, so that is a contrast of 
dollar amounts that it can cost you depending on who you're going with. And so you just have to always think about what is the risk? What is the reward? If you truly believe you're building the next thing that a Facebook's going to want to acquire and spend a billion dollars buying from you, it might very well be worth hiring, not using an offshore team, but hiring a full-time developer at you know, a couple of hundred grand a year to build uh, what you're looking for. But if you're yeah. just trying to solve this tiny little problem in your business and they're the product you can buy for $30 a month that will give you that feature, sign up to that product for $30 a month. It will give you a far higher return for your money uh, than trying to build it and then pay a, you know, pay a consultant or pay a, you know, a service like Pete's concierge service or my concierge service where a couple of hundred bucks and they can help you then link it to your existing tool and that will always work out as a more efficient way of, of getting the result you're after. I think it's worth zooming out a little bit here and just kind of looking at technology as a whole. It's really easy to want technology to tick every single box for you. And it's just not going to. You're going to have challenges whether you're buying a individual best in breed solution, whether you're buying that all in one or whether you're doing something completely custom. You're always going to have downsides, challenges, things that aren't working. And Can things we that also mention here, I think it's important here to cover that downsides and the problems will also ebb and flow. The number of times I've seen someone who's using a tool and all of a sudden they go, their support's terrible. It's the bug. There's all these bugs in it. It's a crap tool. I'm leaving. And they go and leave for this other tool. It's going great. And then a year down the track, two years down the track, that tool now blows up in terms of uh, user base or whatever. So now they've got bugs. They've got problems while the tool you left is now they've solved those problems. They've upskilled their support team. They've I know what you're talking about. Problems. Right? Like I've seen it happen over and over again. I see it all the time. People are like, I'm leaving this tool. There's all these problems. Whereas look, there are times that there's not a good management team behind the software you're using. And they're basically just letting it die slowly. Like there are times that that does happen. But if you're with a good reputable company, and I'm sure this is true with me in automation and see, we're not, we're not a software tool, although we use software where we have problems where all of a sudden we're not great. And people are probably saying they're terrible. We hate you right now. And that sucks, but we're aware of the problem. We fix the problem and then we're amazing again. And if you bail in those moments with those software companies, the switching costs to switch tools can actually cost you far more. So it's, does the tool do solve the problem? How long are you willing to put up with whatever the problem is? So give them time to fix it. And if the answer is, I can't give them any time. Okay. But there'll be a switching cost. But I think it's important that to note that those highs and lows will happen numerous times. You pick a software tool. If you're with it for 10 years, you will probably have at least three or four times in that journey where you're going, this software sucks. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Is your experience, yeah. Pete? Yeah. Oh, many times. I want to talk about business. Technology is just a tool in the business, but there are so many other tools that you have. You have your employees, although hopefully they're not tools. <laughs> uh, you've got the vendors, the suppliers, but you've got the processes inside the business. You've got the culture inside the business as well. Now, using technology for a process is useful, but you also have to remember that you've got people running that process as well. And so if you have a technology tool that is not ticking all the boxes for you, well, then maybe a person can make up for that. Maybe mm -hmm. an automation can make up for that. Maybe someone doing something once a week can make up for that. Maybe an international outsourced staff member can make up for that technology tool not working. We talk a lot about technology because we're geeks and we love tech. We run technology-based businesses and that's who we are. But I want to be really careful that 
technology is just used as a magical unicorn magic potion that just solves every problem like waving a magic wand. That's not what tech is. Tech is just a piece of the puzzle. If you think about your business like a machine, it's just a number of cogs in the machine and there's many, many much broader ways that you need to work on and focus on to make sure the business is working. So don't worry about finding the perfect tool. It doesn't exist. Don't worry about building the perfect tool. It doesn't exist. And uh, focus more on the business and the return on investment that you're going to get for the time, the energy, the money, the resources that you're investing in your technology, and, and you're going to be likely to do better. I think it just goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. If you get really clear on what is the job to be done, what is the problem you're trying to solve? If existing software is solving half of the problem and it's not doing the whole amount, then you look for what are the solutions I can do to add on to my existing tool rather than replacing that tool initially. What are the add-ons, people or other tech or little custom script that I can pay someone to develop for me that will solve that little problem before you go and replace the entire cog of that part of the process. I think that's, it all comes down to being so clear on what's the problem you're truly trying to solve. And then you find the best match of tech and team to do that. Awesome. That's it for this episode, guys. You can head along to rising.show for all of our back episodes. Check out the recordings, check out the show notes for any of the tools that we mentioned in this show. And of course, we would love you to please leave us an honest review of what you think of the show. Leave that on your favorite podcasting service, or you can drop us a message via our Facebook page. We'd love to connect with you. Carl, thanks so much for joining me for another episode. Great to hang out with you as always. My pleasure. And thanks for listening to our great convos. See you later, guys. Take care.